Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey, and I've got a special show today that you don't want to miss. I'm going to sit down with Captain Mike Panabianco, who is an airline pilot and labor relations consultant, to discuss why values and organizational culture matter. Specifically, we're going to talk about why high-performing organizations have fewer employee complaints and investigations. So stay tuned. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. My guest for today's podcast is Mike Panabianco, and Mike and I met back when his team attended an internal investigations training class that I was delivering. Mike actually is a representative in a a labor union environment, uh, so he has a lot of responsibility in looking into uh, cases that are involving pilots, and he works with an organization called SWAPA. Uh, with that said, I'd like to turn it over to you, Mike, to just kind of share with our listening audience a little bit about you and your career background. Sure, Natalie. Thanks very much for having me on your podcast. Uh, it was uh, a great class to come and, and kind of cut my teeth in the investigation space. And here I am several years later, I've changed roles. Uh, and I'll just kind of give you a backstory on how I ended up in the, in the position of an investigator from the labor side. Um, I grew up in a family-owned business. We had probably 15 employees when we started out when I was a young kid, and uh, it was a family farm, and it ended up growing into a, a, a shipping business of over 150 employees. So I saw farmers learn with their foreheads how to run a business, hire people, and deal with all the uh, the labor issues that come along with that uh, when you don't have any expertise and no HR department. So I did get a, a lot of exposure to that as a younger a younger man. And uh, but my heart's always been in flying airplanes. So uh, I gravitated towards the airline business and uh, ended up in the 90s working for a company that no longer exists. But I taught, uh, I facilitated a CRM class, which basically helped crew members work together more effectively to uh, improve safety and avoid costly incidents, accidents, and uh, foster a good team environment. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, as you can imagine, uh, 9-11 changed the landscape for us a little bit. Instead of two people not letting an airplane hurt them, now we had to worry a little bit more about uh, workplace violence uh, in the form of terrorism. And uh, a shift in focus came uh, for me. I kind of wandered off into the counterterrorism world and, and started to learn skills and strategies on how to prevent that. Mm-hmm. And it spent a lot of time uh, doing combative things, uh, hands-on, uh, how to defend yourself from a seated position and, and how to deal with, uh, you know, physical threats. And when you look at it and and you start to see how much can be done before that happens, uh, obviously my shift became to more of a preventative strategy. How do we, how do we get in front of a lot of these things that end up costing dearly? And uh, that led me into Dale Carnegie training, uh, went from combatives, uh, learning ground fighting and multiple assailants into Dale Carnegie training and ended up coaching in that uh, there in Central Florida, one of the franchises there in Central Florida and uh, doing sales representation, uh, things, presentations rather, and and things of that nature. Um, As an airline pilot, I grew a lot of interest because a lot of money comes out of my check into my pilots association that represents me to my employer and watched some of the uh, labor squabbles 
that develop. And even in the best of companies, they have uh, labor issues back and forth with management and uh, jumped into that uh, into that arena as an elected representative for a, a pilot domicile and then was elected as a vice president for two consecutive terms. And then after I termed out, um, we, we can do two terms and then they, they throw us out, uh, which is a great idea. Uh, turning over leadership in that arena is always a good thing. But uh, my skill set evolved. And when I met you, I was an executive in a labor association. And now I am uh, primarily on representations and investigations. So uh, that's my day-to-day now. I would consider myself an inside consultant. Um, I am looking to move back outside and uh, help companies to save on that front end. Uh, I'd rather see companies invest in the front end strategies than the back end costs of conflict and culture issues. And a lot of that flows right through HR. So um, it's a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. And as you know, and uh, your team that I've uh, spent some time with over the years is the best investigation is the one that you don't have to conduct. Isn't that right? Um, Absolutely. Sometimes the, uh, you know, the conflicts, uh, the issues, uh, especially when we're dealing with a labor contract, the issues that emerge um, are usually just not following contract. Um, And so a lot of supervisors will be put into positions uh, leadership roles, and they make decisions that are not necessarily going to be aligned with the contract. And then we have grievances and so on and so forth. Um, yep. Sometimes what happens, and I know you and I have talked some shop about this, is sometimes what happens when there are issues around misconduct, um, what leads to investigations is uh, sort of the unfairness. Um, I call it the like you or I like I don't like you principle. Well, I don't like you, employee who has committed some misconduct. So therefore, we're going to kind of drop the hammer on you, and um, this is going to cost you your job. But someone else that maybe you know perhaps curried a bit of favor with the right people, well, then perhaps we're not going to drop the hammer, and we're going to issue a separation. So there's a lot of that, and um, you know, and often that raises a whole lot of issues in the HR side with uh, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. You know, allegations that um, we're making different decisions based on protected characteristics such as race or color or national origin, religious faith, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, that's um, that's the stuff that is that front side thing that you're talking about. And I'm right there with you, brother, right there with you. So um, with that, let's kind of dig in and uh, let's talk about, you know, some of the, the trends and some of the things that you're kind of seeing, Mike. I'd like to have you share with our listening audience maybe some specific things um, with case types or issues and conflicts, if you can kind of generally talk about some things that have created some investigations? Sure. Well, I think there's a couple, there's two or three glaring issues that I see repeatedly um, when, when you look at even regardless of the union or, or uh, uh, basic employment environment. I think the one thing that, that is always missing is a very clear communication of the strategy of the values and the culture of the company. This is how we behave. There's that overriding, that overarching principle. This is how we treat one another here. This is how we will behave. This is how you will be successful here. And sometimes that is either on a poster in a wall, on a wall that nobody will ever see, or in a policy that people check off before they 
you know, log into their computer and they say, please check all the policies and acknowledgements that you need to do for this year. And they never see it. Right. It's never communicated very well. So the expectation really isn't that great. Um, and then the next place I see it is when you have uh, managers, leaders, supervisors that are not well-trained and don't understand Title VII, don't understand social media policy, don't understand guidelines for employees or a policy manual for employees. They don't even know what's in it, but yep. they're out there enforcing it. Right. So the lack of uh, awareness and the lack of training mm-hmm. and the other side of it, and this is where I do most of my work, uh, coming from the, the pilot training background, coming from the law enforcement training background, coming from the, the self-defense training background, mm-hmm. you can't just talk about it. You can't just, and, and a friend of mine, a guy named Gary Klugowitz mm-hmm. um, is a career trainer in this field in, in conflict management. Fireside chats are great, but you have to have a fireside exercise. It can't just be a bunch of people sitting around saying, hey, you know, when this happens, this is probably what you should do because they're, they're ruling out all the human element of it. Um, and, and to draw the best, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, my COVID lung is catching up to me. Um, I have one good lung and one COVID lung. So we'll be, we'll be through this uh, as best I can. But we see this in the pilot world a lot. Uh, if anyone had seen the movie Sully, how they grilled him and just barbecued him for landing in the river. And they had all these people do the simulators after the fact. Of course. But they all knew they were going to have, they all knew they were going to have an engine failure. They all knew they were going to try to turn back to LaGuardia. They all knew all the factors coming. People don't work that way. Conflict doesn't happen that way in the real world. People duck it. They let it go by. They just pass it off because it's uncomfortable. We're not good at it. Um, and that's, a, you know, we'll spend hours and hours and hours training people on how to use Microsoft products or Google products or whatever we use for Salesforce, but we don't teach people a human operating system. We don't teach them conflict the way it is done at work. Mobbing happens every day. Bullying happens every day. Sexual harassment happens every day. We've never immersed people into an environment where they can be successful not only as a frontline operator, as an agent of your business, but as a supervisor who's expected to maintain order with all the policies and all the procedures that they bring uh, into their jobs. I think training is a huge hole in that. Um, And then sadly, I think the last thing I'll touch on there is accountability. Um, Like you said, some people drop, they'll drop the hammer on someone they don't like, and they'll let someone skate, someone that they do love like skate. And when the integrity is shattered, I'm here to tell you that the cost of that incident alone may cost you hundreds of thousands, maybe millions in the legal arena. But what you lose in your culture is something that you can't put a price tag on because your culture is what holds you together when bad things happen to your business. Mm -hmm. And when you allow integrity issues and favoritism Mm -hmm. and and these types of issues to, to filter down, you will crush your culture. And you need your culture when bad things happen because bad things happen to all businesses. They all, you know, you will have a fight for your survival at some point. Mm -hmm. I'm in a 22 year career with one company Mm -hmm. that I would literally give my life for Mm -hmm. on multiple levels. And that's culture. That's something that you can't buy. It has to be earned. It has to be earned. And one lapse Mm -hmm. by a supervisor 
or a manager that's not addressed in the best interest of the stated principles of the company and the expected culture of that company can cost you all of it. Yeah. And, and I don't know how you put a price tag on it. I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, from my vantage point, um, I see this and you are right inside my head, Mike. I mean, these are the things that I'm talking about as well. And, you know, organizational culture and the values of an organization, they can't be just on some plaque on the wall in the lobby that nobody ever sees. They really need to be part of the DNA of your organization. And, and I really think that's, you know, what you were really, really talking about here. Um, and, you know, from day one, uh, when we are onboarding our employees, that, that's where we really need to be spending the time. We need to help them understand living, breathing examples of how you embody the values in the organization. But, you know, without any of that, that's, that's the accountability part. Um, and accountability also means conflict. And um, to kind of piggyback on what you said, Patrick Lencioni, um, he is, um, you know, a well-known author. And um, one of uh, his talks I listened to, he said, you know, when it comes to things like um, setting rules, that's pretty easy. He said, I have a teenager. I set rules. Had to be in by midnight with the car. And he said, so you can set rules all day long, but the accountability part is what you do when somebody doesn't abide by that. And he said, that's the moment as a parent that becomes incredibly difficult where you're there at midnight when your child is not there and you're waiting for them to come in. You're, it's one o'clock in the morning. They're still not here. And then you have to decide if you're going to jump into that arena of the conflict. And if you don't, then what happens? Now, you know, your teenager realizes that you're not serious and there really is no uh, accountability. That, that, that policy, you're not willing to enforce it. And so this is a lot of what I see in organizations. Again, writing policies, that, that's somewhat of the easy part, but it's the, you know, actually understanding it, understanding why it exists, right? Like, um, you know, a client of mine in the UK, they have a policy regarding creating discord in the office and, and behaving completely, um, you know, obnoxiously. <laughs> if someone engages in that type of conduct, that is completely counter to their value system. And so you learn day one, when Carl, the owner of the company talks about that, you understand clearly what that means. You will be civil in your dealings with everyone here. And uh, there is accountability in that organization. And what's great is that he has almost no turnover. He has people that he has working for him for years and he's got an amazing culture, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about um, the values. It's about teaching people about the behaviors and what is expected, but it is about accountability when people are not engaging in behavior that aligns with that. Um, so much of what I see internal investigations and a lot of times when HR or employee relations or ethics groups get involved, even the union in a labor union environment, um, you know, this is a, a reactionary measure. Um, and I, I really wish more organizations would invest in a lot of uh, the training. Um, there are many, many solutions to it these days, and uh, I wish more did. Uh, so perhaps we'll shed some light on that with uh, our listening audience here. So now, Mike, I'd like to change gears just a, a little bit, um, and let's look at things through the lens of that leadership. And uh, that's what I'd like to wrap up with today. Um, I'd like you to share from your experience, what do you think maybe top you know, three, maybe five tips in managing through conflicts day to day to kind of keep things from escalating into having to become you know, a formal investigation? Yeah, I think um, on this, it's... It, and a lot of times this is written into our contract. It's written into my contract that I operate under every day. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, 
handle, handle conflict or uh, uh, discipline mm -hmm. at the lowest level. And, and the, the purpose of discipline should be to change behavior. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be punishment. If, I mean, again, everything, everything and everything has to come within the scope of what the incident is or what the breach is. Yeah. But if you're a manager or you're an HR director and you look upward at your company, how are you expected to behave? Mm -hmm. What are the values that the company has posted? What are the policies that are posted? You have to kind of point back to that because holding people accountable to a moving, you know, a moving goalpost or a moving target mm -hmm. is, is the first problem. Yeah. But, you know, again, I, I think it, it really comes down to, are we changing this person's behavior to fit into this company mm -hmm. or does this person just not fit? I mean, and we all know that, I mean, some, I think the three worst days for anybody that works in management and leadership. And I could tell you those things were happening to me when I took your course. Uh, one is having to terminate somebody, um, especially a good person that just doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, number two is uh, being terminated, yeah. which I haven't had that happen to me, but I, I've been uh, through enough oh. with enough people to see how it impacts them and their families. And the third is to find out your, your work is meaningless. Yeah. Um, so I think just having a very clear goal and communicating it so that the people that work under you are aware, this is what's expected of you and you will be held accountable and, and starting that accountability at the lowest possible frame. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is and you're a manager, get in touch with HR. How do I handle this con conversation? Mm -hmm. and, the, and HR should be able to funnel you back into Hey, so these are the values of our company and these are the policies that are written out of those values. And this is how I would start that conversation. Like, Hey, here you are, here's the standard and you're not meeting it. Here's how we're going to get you there. Here's how we intend to get you there. Or this is a breach that we just can't have. And, and it's a deal. It's a deal breaker. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, so that that's number one, I think is just being very clear on how that goes. Yeah. I think the second thing, and, and probably I would stop here, um, is that when you hire someone, put the work in up front. Don't bring people into your company that do not fit with your culture. Yeah. Do not bring people into your company that are going to create constant problems for your managers. Don't promote people into management that have no experience. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the good old boy system bring somebody up that has, they may be a great person, but they have no leadership ability. You're right. They want to be everyone's friend. If you want to be everyone's friend, sell tacos. Yeah. <laughs> because I can tell you, I will be your friend on Tuesdays and probably Saturdays because those are the two <laughs> days that I always give myself the excuse. Um, but bring in the right people educate until people want to throw up. I don't really want to hear about your values one more time, but if you're going to tell me about them, go ahead. Um, it's, it's almost to the point where it's nauseating. Um, the company that I've worked for for a long time, they, they talk about the golden rule all the time. You can't say it enough Yeah, yeah. because it creates an expectation of behavior. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, ensure the accountability. You just have to be consistent because if you're not if one person gets hammered and the other person gets a, a slap on the wrist, you just murdered your culture and yeah. that's going to cost you insanely. Yeah. So um, that clarity has to go from the top of the organization yeah. all the way through the front line. 
And it's your job as a leader to look up and make sure you understand what that is and then transmit down and across and then relay back up the chain when things aren't working. And I think that's, that's, um, that's what I expect as a captain of an airplane. Mm -hmm. I expect everyone to be in line with what we're supposed to be doing. And when something's not working, I expect to hear about it and I will work on resources to get it fixed. Um, that's, that's just good leadership. I think, uh, we all have, we all have bad days. We all have days we wish we'd done better. Um, but if everyone's striving for that, (coughs) excuse me, if everyone is striving for that, I think your organization has a really good shot at being successful and keeping those costs down. I'd rather put the the money on the front end than on the back end. Absolutely. And I look at it as, you know, really effective, uh, risk management because when you have those, those things happening, um, then you have the ability to attract talent because they want to work for this type of organization. You certainly um, will be able to retain your talent, but what it also does is it creates an environment where issues are really resolved at kind of that lowest level. Um, you know, a lot of um, you know what I have experienced over the years and and as an investigator is you know why in the world did we get here? How in the world did we get here? A lot of it is just purely because there were leadership failures. Now, of course, there are uh, you know peer to peer sort of situations that may go on that create things like harassment investigations and and so on. But I will tell you um, the trend that I really see out here in the trenches as an HR consultant and as an investigator is that breakdown in that leadership that you've been talking about, Mike. Um, you know, yeah. the lack of training, uh, the movement of people into a leadership role who are not prepared, um, and really a lack of understanding of what I call how-to skills, um, how to actually create clear goals, how to actually manage performance, um, you know, how to sit down and work through conflict, um, you know, and how to um, hold people accountable, right? Th- those are some very, very basic skills and, you know, there's, I, I mean, a ton of leadership training that is out there. And, you know, I was at a conference not, not long at, well, pre-COVID, but um, where uh, I was talking about, you know, how HR and ethics teams and the compliance folks are getting wrapped up in a lot of issues that managers should really own. But I also asked the question, well, how many of you are doing leadership training? So there, there was probably, I don't know, I probably 800 people in this auditorium um, for this particular engagement. And I said, well, how's that leadership training working for you? Obviously, you're dealing with a lot of issues that you really shouldn't be dealing with because your managers are not really equipped with the right skills. So what we need is, you know, the right training at the right time at the right level. And it's got to really be that granular how-to kind of stuff. All right. That also- Yeah. And Natalie, I think when you did our training for my team, uh, I brought my legal team and I brought uh, two of my contract admin guys when I was a vice president. And I think the big takeaway for us as pilots, I mean, we live in the training environment. We're in training every year. We have to re-earn our jobs. We, we see uh, scenario-based training. And what you did with us in your class was probably the most helpful for us because we come from that environment. You put us on the spot. You educated us. You gave us some expectations and some fences and boundaries and, and tactics to use. And then you did a role play with us. And I remember, um, and, and as a guy who's been doing this for 35 years almost, I mean, I've been through more check rides than I can count. Um, I'm used to sweating in a simulator and I was sweating in your simulator, which means <laughs> that there were things that came from that conversation that were so meaningful. And I'm telling anyone who's listening to this podcast right now, if you do not train your people to that level, they will not test under pressure. Yeah. They just won't be able to deliver it. 
So if you think a, a PowerPoint presentation is enough, I'm here to tell you they will they will disappoint you in in ways that are easily predictable. Mm-hmm. Very and, good. Um, and I think you're you're really uh, you know you you melded with our team really well. I'm like they wanted to kidnap you and bring you to work with us, but um, I know you'd have been bored with all you know. We we have very low caseload, but um, it was it was really that's the way managers need to be trained. They need to be put into situations where they can grow first risk free, mm-hmm. then under a little bit of stress, then a little more stress, and then under realistic situations where you know their training you fail to the level of your training, not to your your best aspirations, Absolutely. and and yeah. life happens with stress, so yeah. especially the HR life. It happens with stress. It sure does. Oh, thank you so much for that, Mike. And I, I really did enjoy spending time with your team and I miss them. So we will make sure that we uh, we put that on the calendar to get together again soon. So- Absolutely. We look forward to having you back in Dallas and, and, and getting to sit with you and, and trade stories and share some of the new and interesting things that we're into. And, and we'd love to hear more about what you're doing too. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, Mike, I really want to thank you for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate your insight. And uh, also for our listeners, if you have any questions um, that you would like me to ask any of our guests on uh, our podcast series, um, if you'd like to hear from me, uh, just please uh, reach out to me. You can reach me at natalie at rpchr.com. And uh, also, I look forward to coming back again uh, for our next uh, podcast, where we're going to be spending some time on the nuances of conducting virtual investigations. Uh, since we've had the global 19, uh, the global pandemic for COVID-19, uh, we've certainly been pivoting a great deal uh, to virtual investigations. So again, thanks very much to our guest, Mike, and uh, look forward to seeing you all back again at the uh, HR Investigations Podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.